0: Welcome to the Parkwood Podcast. Our mission is to help people find hope in the person of Jesus Christ and find home in this family. If this is your first time tuning in, we would love to get connected with you. You can text the word NEW to 833-202-2834 or visit parkwoodwindsor.com for more information. Now, let's take a moment to prepare our hearts as we get into today's message. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It really is uh, so good to have all of you with us today as we are continuing on in our sermon series called Dave. Let me hear you just say Dave, 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 Dave. Dave. We're going to get into this in just a moment. Uh, before we do, I just wanted to highlight: next week is uh, New Life Sunday. How many have been to a New Life Sunday before? Yeah, yeah. They're they're so much fun. Uh, God gets so much glory. Uh, the last numbers I heard, I think we have eight different children being dedicated, and I looked at the list this morning, 31 people being baptized next Sunday. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the class is tonight. Listen, it's not even too late. If, if you want to hop on board, you want to you wanna be baptized next week, come to the class tonight, uh, But the the one thing I I just wanted to mention before we go, these New Life Sundays are actually incredible opportunities for the church. Uh, If you have friends, maybe neighbors, uh, loved ones, family, whatever it is, maybe some who just aren't rooted in the church, maybe they they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, these are great services to actually invite people out to, uh, where they just get to see uh, unashamedly, not me preach a sermon, uh, but, but to really just get to see the, the joy in all that God is doing in his church. And so I just want to encourage you uh, over this next week, uh, consider if there's somebody that, that you would want to invite out. But next week's going to be a party. Uh, it really, really is. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we can't wait for that. All right. Dave. David. King David. It uh, doesn't really matter w- what you call him. Uh, his name... Uh, is, is just a title, right? That is, really, what's, what's interesting about Dave or David or King David is, and, and I told you this when we kicked off the series a few weeks ago, uh, there's more written about him than any other person in the Bible besides Jesus. Like, I just want you to, for a moment, begin to wrap your head around that. Like, obviously, Jesus is number one, okay? It's his book. It's about him. He takes first place. But if you remove Jesus just for a moment, uh, I mean, we have a staggering amount of material around this guy named Dave. Uh, We see him uh, all the way from like a little boy out in the field to his death. We see him uh, anointed to be king. We see him pre-king. We see him serving as king. We see him in his highs and in his lows. We see him as a poet. We see him as a worshiper. We see him as a warrior. We, he's such a unique figure. We get all these different glimpses into his life. And so that's really what this series is about. We're looking at this guy named David from long ago. And every week, we're also just branching over to Jesus and just see what does he teach us about God. And so, so far in this series, uh, we've seen uh, David anointed to be the next king, but not yet appointed. Uh, we've seen David take out and kill Goliath, um, which by the way, just Pastor Gary and uh, Linda, didn't they do a great job over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, <clears throat> really. You know, I was just thinking like, like David kills Goliath and then just chops off his head and walks around with it like a boss, you know, like that's the part we don't tell in the kids' stories. But you know, it's, th- this is David. He's a warrior. Last week, we, we saw David in his tumultuous relationship with his predecessor, King Saul. Right? Like, numerous times, Saul is trying to kill him or devising plots to take him out. Uh, and today, what we're going to do as we move on, we're going to look at uh, David becoming king, finally. So, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 4. Second Samuel chapter four. Today I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation uh, as we go along, but where we're going to pick up the story today, Saul, the reigning king of Israel, has just died with his sons in battle, and finally, after 15 years of waiting, uh, it's David's time to become king. But what this does is this creates a significant amount of tension and friction. In the remaining house of Saul, because anytime in these monarchies, when the power shifts, when the family lines change, well, what happens to the first family? Usually they get wiped out, right? So, so what ends up happening here is Saul is dead, his sons are dead, and in the whole palace of Saul uh, goes into panic because they're afraid that David is now going to come and kill them. Let's read. 2 Samuel 4, verse 4. Watch this scene. It says, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. Let me hear you just say Mephibosheth. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Pentecost Sunday. You're all speaking in tongues this morning. <laughs> Saul, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled, but as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became a cripple. Imagine with me, you're five years old, living a pretty luxurious life as like a young prince in the palace, when all of a sudden, one day, the doors burst open, and panic ensues. People run in and they they tell you, you're five years old, they they tell you that your dad and your granddad have just died in battle and we gotta get out of here because David's on his way. And when he comes, it's not gonna be good, right? Like you see, you have to understand David at this point, he was iconic. Remember, it's David who killed Goliath. It was David who had songs sung of him. Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. David was known as a warrior. And so, in the palace of Saul, when Saul dies and Jonathan dies, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're panicked. They have to leave. So, a nurse picks up Mephibosheth and starts running. And at some point in that run, she trips. I don't know what happened, but she drops him. And when she drops him, he falls and he shatters both of his legs. There's no time to tend to the wounds. There's no time to set a splint. They just keep running. I'm just wondering, Parkwood, this morning, if you've ever had a moment like this. I'm wondering if you've ever had a, a Mephibosheth moment in your life when everything's good one day and then all of a sudden it's not. I'm wondering if you ever had a moment where, where one day healthy the next day, not. Have you ever had a moment where, just in a very short period of time, your entire life gets flipped upside down? This is Mephibosheth. You know it's interesting, actually? His name wasn't even originally Mephibosheth, his original name was Merib Baal, which meant an opponent of Baal. Baal was this false god in the Old Testament. And Jonathan names his son Merib Baal as if to say that you're my son. You're a part of the royal family. You stand for truth. You are an opponent of the false gods. We worship Yahweh. But when this happens, when Mephibosheth is dropped and his legs are broken, they change his name from Merib an opponent of Baal, to Mephibosheth, which meant the son of of shame. This is Mephibosheth's story. Meanwhile, I mean, life for Dave's looking up. Right? Dave's finally in his sweet spot. He's fulfilling his God-ordained purpose. He's he's king. But for Mephibosheth, years and years will go by. And nothing happens. He doesn't get healed. He doesn't get helped. He's just broken. Look at this. Flip over with me. Go to chapter 9, verse 1. It says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? All right, so let me just give you a little backfill here. Um, Saul, uh, sorry, Jonathan and David were like best friends. Uh, the, The Bible uses really interesting languages. It says that they were like knit together in their souls. They, they loved each other. They were, they, they, they were for each other. And one day, Jonathan turned to David and he said, listen, I know you're going to be king. And when that happens, will you please show kindness to me and my family? And David says, as surely as the Lord lives, I'll show kindness to you. Well, now Jonathan's dead. Saul's dead. David's king. Years have gone by and David starts reflecting on the promise that he made to Jonathan. So he asked the question, is there anybody still alive in the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness to? He, he wants to fulfill his promise. So I love this. Verse 3 it says, Zebra replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked? In Lodabar. Let me hear you say Lodabar. Lodabar. We'll talk about that in a moment. In Lodabar, Ziba told him at the home of Mekir, son of Emil. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb and just suggest this morning that Mephibosheth probably didn't like David very much. I'm just going to... Go out on a limb here and just suggest this. Like, like in, in, in Mephibosheth's mind, he's probably thinking, well, because of David, they changed my name to son of shame. Be- because of David, my legs are broken. Because of David, I'm not in the palace anymore. I'm living in low debar." And then all of a sudden, one day, this messenger comes and knocks on the door and says, Mephibosheth, get ready. We're leaving. The king wants to see you. This is a terrifying moment. Okay, like Mephibosheth doesn't know David's intentions. Like this right here, what's happening is the incarnation of all of the fear and anxiety that he has carried with him for years. It's serious. He's afraid. And we, we read this in verse six. It says this, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David, he, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. It's, it's almost as if Mephibosheth right here is just saying, David, don't kill me. I will do whatever you want me to do, whenever you want me to do it. I will serve you. I will. Please don't kill me. He is terrified in this moment. But this is where the story turns awesome. And then we'll pull it apart. Uh, Verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And watch this. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. And then I love verse 11. It just says this. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Oh, come on, Parkwood. How good is that? Like, like, this is so good. David says to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, your days in Lodabar are over. I, I, I know that long ago you were dropped, but I am here to pick you up. I know that life has not been kind to you, but I am here to show you kindness. From this day on, you will eat with me at my table. And then he says, like one of the king's own sons. This is, this is adoption language, is it not? Not? Like, 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 this is powerful. And, and this is the amazing story of Mephibosheth's redemption. And we love it. Like, I mean, as human beings, we love stories like this. Stories that have this terrible beginning, but a beautiful ending. We, we love it because it's, it's these types of stories that are like etched into our souls. And here's why. We are Mephibosheth. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. This story is an actual story that took place long ago. It's a historical account of what happened between Mephibosheth and King David, but it is also this beautiful allegory of what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. And so what I want to do just over the next few minutes is I just want to I, I, I pull a few things out of what we just read right there between David and Mephibosheth. I... I I I want to pull some stuff out so that we can see how we are Mephibosheth and how Jesus is our David. Are you ready? Okay, if you're taking notes, uh, which everybody should take notes, I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, Write it down in your phone if you have to. Uh, I have three different thoughts, three different things I want to show you. Here's the first one. Like Mephibosheth, we have all fallen down. Every single one of us. Not only have we fallen down, but we are broken. And I'm not talking about us falling and becoming physically crippled. I'm talking about us sinning and being spiritually crippled. You know what Romans says, Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Last time I checked... That word all in the Greek is fascinating. Ready? It means all. (laughs) Doesn't mean most. (laughs) Doesn't mean some. It means all. Every single person in this room, every single person listening to my voice, you have to understand this, there is a standard of what it means to be in the presence of God to like like it's here we're here all of us fall short and then it gets worse Romans 6:23 says not only have we all fallen short of the standard and glory of God but but it says this that the wages of sin is death so because we haven't lived up, because we don't meet the standard, it actually says here that we deserve death. This is the bad news this morning, okay? Um, we are all spiritually crippled. We sin. We, we do things that we know we shouldn't do. We don't do the things that we know that we should do. It's the sin of omission, the sin of commission. And it plays itself out all the time, sometimes in our lives. I, I, I heard one pastor say that sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. You don't have to raise your hands, but like, is that not true? Amen. Right? Like, like, this is the problem. And listen, I, I know this morning that the gospel is the good news. It's the great news. But in order for there to be great news, there first has to be bad news. And so this is where we start today. Like Mephibosheth was dropped long ago and had his legs shattered, we fell or have fallen multiple times, right? Like this, this we, we are spiritually crippled. It's a problem. It's a serious problem. But thank God... This is not the end of the story for Mephibosheth, and this is not the end of the story for us, okay? So just take a deep breath, okay? It gets better from here. Here's the second way that we are like Mephibosheth, is this, that we are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. David found Mephibosheth in this little town called Lodabar. Lodabar, interesting, has several different names, none of them good, like, like the meaning of the name Lodabar uh, means this. It's like the place of no life. It's the place of no bread. It's the wilderness. Lodabar is so insignificant and small that today we don't even know where this was. It doesn't register on any ancient map. We have no clue where Lodabar is. It's kind of like a, a one camel town, if you know what I mean, Right. You know like you you know, you know those little towns that you drive through and there's not even a light you know that's Lodabar. okay it's just this kind of thing that existed we don't we don't know it's so insignificant and this is where this is where David found Mephibosheth he's in hiding he's in pain and you have to wonder after years feeling absolutely forgotten and I, my guess is in a crowd of this size, people, hundreds listening online, like, like, just maybe you're in a season right now where you feel like you're living in Bar. Maybe you're in a season right now where it just, like, like you are in the place of no bread. You, you don't remember the last time that... That, that you've eaten or, 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 or been satisfied. Maybe you're in a season where it just hurts and it's pain and you feel, if you're honest, it kind of feels like God forgot about you. Like you're just kind of out on your own and God just maybe doesn't even know where you are. Listen, friend, brother, sister, I just want to tell you this morning, God knows exactly where you are and he has not forgotten you. I love um, Psalm 23, verse 6, it says, "Surely, Speaking of God, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. Your goodness, your mercy, your unfailing love, it pursues me. Like, Parker, think about this. In the same way that David... Pursued Mephibosheth. King David pursued Mephibosheth. King Jesus is pursuing us this morning. He 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 is actively pursuing every single one. He's chasing after us this morning because he wants us. Uh, so the first thing is this: that like Mephibosheth, we've all fallen down. The second thing is like Mephibosheth, you know, we're not forgotten. And now the best news of all. Ready? Like Mephibosheth, we are adopted into royalty. Whew. We are adopted into royalty. And this is beautiful. Like it really, in the same way that Mephibosheth was brought into the royal family of David, in the same way that he was given the keys to the kingdom, quite literally, we have been adopted into the ultimate family, the family of God. The family. I love. I'm just meditating so much on this verse, even just this morning. Romans eight fifteen. The apostle Paul says this to. um, He says this to the church in Rome, to a bunch of Christians, and he says, "So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children." Now we call him Abba, Father. Oh, that's good. That is so good. God, see it here, Parker. God, when we said yes to Jesus, God did not give us a spirit that made us fearful slaves. I was thinking about this. Like... Like, I can picture a reality in my mind, in a universe, where a sovereign God who's able to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, I can picture a reality where that God wants fearful slaves. I can. I can picture that. And it's absolutely terrifying. But that's not who our God is. Like explicitly, it says, this is not what our God wants. He did not give us a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. Instead, he gave us the Holy Spirit. When he adopted us into his family, and now we, the church of Jesus Christ, get to cry out, Abba, Abba, it's this daddy, it's like daddy it's 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 this intimate close relationship we have been brought into the family of God. And now this is the beautiful thing we get unrestricted access to our heavenly Father in all the benefits of being his children. All the benefits of being his children. I I used this illustration a couple years ago, but I I think it still holds. (laughs) Imagine with me for a moment that um, I were to go to England today. And I go right up to Buckingham Palace, and I knock on the door. And I'd say, I want to see the new king. In fact, not only that... But I want unrestricted access to the entire palace. I want to walk in every single room. I want to see every single thing inside. What do you think that guard's going to say to me? (laughs) He's going to say, sorry, who are you? And say, well, I'm Danny Gray, obviously. And he's going to say, well, obviously, go away, right? Like, you know who that was also true of at one point? Kate Middleton. Picture with me a 14-year-old Kate Middleton knocks on the door of Buckingham Palace. I want unrestricted access to the whole palace. I want to see everything. They're just going to say, go away, little girl. But they don't say that to her now, do they? Why? Because she married into the family. She is the princess married to the prince. When people ask her, "Why, why are you here? All she has to say is, I'm with him. When people ask Mephibosheth, How is it that you get to eat at the king's table? All he has to do is say, I'm with him. So it is with the Christian. When people ask us, how how is it that you think that you're going to get to go to heaven one day? Our answer is simple, because I'm with him. When people ask that question, they say, why is it that you think you deserve the love of God? Because I'm with him. Right? Uh, uh, how, how, what, what, what makes it think that you're better than me? We just say, I don't listen. All I know is that I'm with him. Listen, Parker, this is like the most important question this morning. Are you with him? Are you with him? Are you with him? Jesus, have you, have you been adopted? Have you been brought into the royal family of God? Are you a child of the king? This, this is by far the most important question. Uh, worship team, come on back up. We're going to do something in a few minutes. Luke chapter 15 is a fascinating chapter. Jesus goes um, kind of on like a parable tirade to prove one point. That what he wants is children, not slaves. (laughs) He tells three different parables consecutively that show his heart of God for the lost, the last, the least. The first parable he tells is about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And then one day, one of the sheep got out of the pen and ran away. So the shepherd, what it says is that he leaves the 99 to go and find the one. And when he found the one lost sheep, I, I, I love uh, what it says, is that uh, he, he brought in the friends and the neighbors and he said, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus adds these words. He says that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. And then without skipping a beat, he moves on to his next story. And he says, all right, let's not talk about sheep anymore. Let's talk about coins. He said one day there was a woman and she had 10 silver coins. She lost one. And when she realized that she lost one of her very important coins, she turns her house upside down looking in every single corner every single crack she's 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 panicked she's doing everything and when she found that coin says that she brought in the neighbors the friends the village and she brought them all in and she said rejoice with me for I found that which was lost and then Jesus adds these words he says in the same way I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he doesn't stop. He goes on to a third story. He says, let me tell you one more. It's not just about the sheep. It's not just about the coin. He said, let me, let me talk to you about the lost son. He tells this story about a dad who had two sons and the one son says, I, I want my inheritance and I want it now, which is, uh, I mean, that's like borderline offensive in today's world. This is, this is nasty at 2,000 years ago. It's like the son saying to his dad, I wish that you were dead. And his father says, okay, you want the inheritance? I'll give you the inheritance. And the son takes it and he spends it on wild, lavish living this is one of the most popular stories in the Bible. He wastes everything. He ends up, it's so bad, he's, he's homeless, he's hungry, he's, he's eating with pigs. And all of a sudden, he has this moment where he, he thinks to himself and he says, you know what? It's too late for me to be considered a son of my father. But if I go back, even the servants and the slaves in the home, that, that, that they eat better than, what, than how I'm eating right now. So he, so he, so he says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my dad, I, I know it's too late to be your son, but just I'll, I'll, I'll be a servant to you. And so he's on his way back. The dad sees him. And what does the dad do? It's not arms folded, judgmental glances at a distance. No, the father pursues his son, runs to his son, wraps his arms around his son. The the, the son tries giving the speech, dad, I'm not worthy to be. Your son, I just want to be a servant out in the field. Please just let me be a servant, please. And the father, he's not even listening. He's not even listening. He's wrapping a robe around his son. He's putting rings on his finger. He's saying, no, 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 no. I don't want slaves. I don't want servants. I want sons. You hear it? You seen it this morning? God, he doesn't, he doesn't give us a spirit that makes us fearful slaves because that's not what God wants. Amen. He doesn't want servants out in the field working for him with no relationship. He wants us in the house celebrating with him like a son and a daughter. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of God that is displayed in the story of Mephibosheth, and this is the, the, the heart of God that Jesus echoes over every single one of us in this room. Can we stand on up to our feet all across this room? Are you with him this morning? Are you a son? Are you a daughter in the royal family of God? Or are you an orphan living in low debar? Are, are you on the outside and just not knowing? Listen, today, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. What that means is that we are living in a season of grace. Right now, we are living in the most amazing season ever. We, every single day, God is offering new grace and new mercy to his church. And that's why so many times we stand up here and we and we give opportunity for people to respond to the good news of Jesus because this is the season we're in. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where God is knocking on the door just like that, just like that servant went to Mephibosheth and Lodabar knocked on the door and said, Mephibosheth, the king wants to see you. Jesus is knocking on the door of hearts this morning and said, would you please come in? Would you, would, would you please? Because all I want is for you to eat at my table forever. Listen, this is so simple, but it is the most profound thing. Why does he do this? Why does, why does God pursue us like this? Why does he keep knocking at the door? Why? why? It's because he loves us. And I know, like we sing it to our kids, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's one of those things that we've said a billion times, and the problem with that is it's possible we've lost the significance that the creator of the universe, the one in which nothing is hidden from, he sees you. He sees you, all of you. The parts that you think nobody else sees, he sees, and yet he knocks and he said, I want you in my family. I want to adopt you into my house. He loves you. It's Zephaniah where it says that God sings over his children and rejoices over his children. This is God's heart. And so today, I just want to, very briefly, but I just want to give an opportunity that if you're here in and maybe you're not sure if you're with him. Maybe you're not, you're honestly just not sure if, if you're adopted into the family. You're, you're not sure where you stand. Or maybe you know where you stand and it's just not good. Today, I want to give you an opportunity because it's, the way is simple. All it takes is an open heart to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you everything now. I'm done doing it my way. It is a life surrendered to the king in his way and when we do that we get adopted and now we have this relationship with God where we get to call him Abba Father so I'm gonna invite us all to pray this prayer but if you mean like like, like if you just today God is calling you home you're the sheep that was lost you're the coin that was lost you're the son that ran away It's never too late. God is pursuing you this morning. So would we just pray? Everyone just repeat after me and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Save me. Heal me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I want to come home. I want to come home. Thank you for opening up your arms and welcoming me in. Save me, Lord God. Adopt me, Lord God. Bring me into your family. I need you. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, if Jesus said that all of heaven rejoices, let's rejoice with heaven. Thank you so much for tuning into today's sermon. If this message has been a blessing to you, please be sure to share this with a friend and leave us a review in the podcast app of your choice. For more information and to get connected with Parkwood, please visit parkwoodwindsor.com.